0: Jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rob Scheinberg, Rabbi of United Synagogue of Hoboken, and today we are learning Masachet Sukkah, Daf Nun Aleph, page fifty-one. We begin the Talmud's most extensive conversation about the Simchat Beit Hashoeva, the water drawing festival in the Temple for the holiday of Sukkot, and along the way we'll learn some surprising things about the roots of separation of men and women in Jewish prayer, and some other insights into another extraordinary ancient synagogue. We read in the Mishnah, If you've never seen the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, the water-drawing festival, you've never seen rejoicing in your life. And then we read, what did this festival consist of? yom tov harishon nashim, At the conclusion of the first festival day of Sukkot, they descended to the Ezrat Nashim, the women's court, where they made a tikkun gadol, a great construction or a great enactment. And we'll be coming back to what this tikkun gadol is. The rest of the Mishnah describes the celebration, the amazing chandeliers and huge oil fires that could be seen throughout the city of Jerusalem such that every courtyard in the city was illuminated the way that the rabbis would dance with flaming torches and perform feats of acrobatics, the processions with flutes and trumpets and drums and harps and all kinds of other musical instruments, the celebrations that would take place each night until daybreak the next morning. No wonder the nickname in rabbinic literature for the holiday of Sukkot is Hechag, the holiday. This is definitely the holiday par excellence in the era of the Temple. Now, the remainder of this Mishnah and the procedure for the Simchat Beit HaShoeva are described on future Dapim. But one of the more famous, as well as contemporary, issues raised on this page is about this tikun Gadol, this great enactment. Now, what is, first though, what is the Ezrat Nashim, the women's court? Even though today the words Ezrat Nashim often refer to the women's section in those synagogues which separate men and women, or, for example, the women's section at the Kotel, the western wall in Jerusalem, it's clear that in the temple the Ezrat Nashim was not just for women. Rather, it was called the Ezrat Nashim because that was as far as women were allowed to enter into the temple, though Israelite men were allowed to go further to the Ezrat Yisrael, and the Kohanim were allowed to go further, the high priest was able to go further, etc. So, what is this Tikkun Gadol? The word tikkun can mean construction or repair in the physical world. Or, in a metaphorical usage of the word, it can refer to a legal enactment. And the Gemara suggests that it means both. We read at the bottom of Amud Bet, My tikkun gadol, what is this great tikkun? Rabbi Elazar taught, It's as we have learned. Originally, the walls of the Ezrat Nashim were smooth, but then a balcony or gallery, a gzuz tra, was built so that women would sit above and men would sit below. And now we have a braita to elaborate on this. Tanura banan, barishona hayu nashimi bifnim va nashimi Originally, during the Simchat Shoeva, women would be inside and men would be outside. Presumably this means men would be outside the Ezra nashim and women would be inside. But Bayu baimlei lidei kalut rosh but they would be brought to the point of frivolity and lightheadedness. And perhaps this is not surprising. This simchat beit shoeva is an extraordinary festival of bright lights and music and dancing, acrobatics, quite different from the normal events at the temple. Maybe it's not so surprising that people were engaging in frivolity. So, they made a change in the procedure. Men and women had to be further separated. The next plan was women sat outside and men sat inside. Presumably, women are now outside the Israt Nashim, and maybe paradoxically, only men were inside the Israt Nashim. But they still engaged in frivolity that was not appropriate for the temple. So, Milmala they enacted that women would sit above and men would sit below. And this appears to have solved the problem. Now, an objection then is raised that rolls over onto tomorrow's daf, which is, how could they have done this? Aren't we told that the exact architectural plans of the temple were exactly as God had instructed, so how could they make a change? The answer will be at the beginning of tomorrow's staff. But we should note that this discussion of the tikkun gadol and the separation of sexes during the Sibchat Beit HaShoeva became the textual root of the tradition of separating the sexes in synagogues. Some contemporary writings on synagogue practice say that this passage demonstrates that separation of the sexes during worship is a halacha that dates back to temple times. But interestingly, the halachic codifications do not say that this is a halakha. And some halachic decisors, especially non-Orthodox halachic decisors, have felt differently. A responsum of Rabbi David Galinkin of the Masrti movement in Israel that was published in 1987 looks differently at the evidence and notes, This passage on our page only describes separation of the sexes during the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. And that's presumably because of the apparently secular nature of the celebration that might cause people to forget that they were in the temple precincts. Normally, men and women would mix freely in the Ezrat Nashim without any particular concern of frivolity or inappropriateness. And whereas we have evidence of the separation of sexes in synagogues from the time of the Geonim, hundreds of years after the conclusion of the Talmudic era, we actually don't have any evidence for separation of sexes in ancient synagogues. Now, this is a matter of some debate among some archaeologists who in their excavations of ancient synagogues in Israel and elsewhere have found no archaeological evidence of a separate area for women nor do we have documentary evidence of such a practice of separating sexes in ancient synagogues. Some have explained this lack of evidence by suggesting that, well, women didn't come to synagogue in ancient times, so there was no need for a separate special section for women. However, we do have evidence of women playing important roles in ancient synagogues, so it may simply be that women and men were not separated in ancient synagogues. Rabbi Galinkin's conclusion in his responsum is that separation of sexes during synagogue prayer is best understood not as a halachic requirement, but rather as a custom, a custom that gained currency in the geonic period, And as a custom, it's not necessarily binding in the contemporary era because Jewish law provides great latitude for customs to evolve. And thus, different communities should decide for themselves whether separate seating in synagogues is a custom that should be maintained. If you want to see the entire responsum in Hebrew or in English summary, you can find it at the website responsafortoday.com. Before we conclude today's daf, we should note another famous section of the daf, earlier on Amud Bet, which is the description of the great synagogue of Alexandria in Egypt. Rabbi Yehuda said that anyone who had never seen this magnificent structure had never seen Israel's glory, which according to one opinion, this synagogue could hold twice the number of people who fled from slavery in Egypt. We read that it was a building so vast that no one would be able to hear the chazan no one would know when to say Amen during the prayer. So they would wave a flag to let everyone know that it was time for them to say Amen. And also this great synagogue is described as having hosted the greatest Jewish vocational service project ever created. Because people would sit there according to their occupation. Goldsmiths would sit together, silversmiths sat together, weavers sat together, etc. So if someone came in who was unemployed, That person would find the other people with the same occupation and thereby find work and get hired. It's a reminder that synagogues are not only for prayer. Then as now, synagogues are, at least ideally, the center of the community and ideally the place where the Jewish values of caring and concern are put into action.